0: hey what's up this is amp radio always make progress and we are your host sankhar patacharji fractal biomechanics on instagram and and i am sean astorga this is the official podcast of amp's mentorship program for rehab clinicians and fitness professionals where we help you differentiate yourself by getting your clients more long-lasting results Jordan, thank you for joining me today. Can you please do our guest the honor of introducing yourself, uh, who you are, what you do, and what your mission on this planet is?
1: Um, Well, thank you for having me. My name is Jordan Velez, uh, originally from New Jersey. I am a certified athletic trainer, and uh, now I can, weird to say, going to be a physical therapist. As of uh, this Thursday coming out, I will be graduating, so I guess I'll have to add that to my intro from now on, which is... (laughs) Hard to believe. Um, and then, so I'm finishing from Stony Brook University this Thursday. Um, and then my mission on this earth.
0: Uh, <laughs> <but> <laughs> you know, was... just, you just graduated PT school, you know, got your license and it's like, we're going to mission on this really? earth. That's right. That's yeah.
1: yeah, I love it. Um, I mean, you know, I used to think very globally as I think in younger and like change the world and things like that. And like growing up, it's just been a really hard concept and it's really difficult. And something I really have was struggling with and have learned to kind of combine is like, how do I help the world or whatever that might mean to each person versus like what I like. So like personal meaning in life versus like leaving your mark. And for me, that has been kind of why I've kind of gone into healthcare, which is because it's about, uh, I guess, making the most, whether it be through physical movement or social, whatever it may be, but using... Healthcare to improve other people's lives. And for me, physical therapy, movement, things of like that has really helped me align those two. And in the end, I just want to help as many individuals um, as I can, which will hopefully make the world a better place. I don't know if that's it, <laughs> <laughs> but we're, no, that's with
0: that. we're going with that. No, that's great, man. That's awesome. Uh, so I didn't realize you didn't graduate yet. I thought you had already graduated. So you passed your boards before finishing technically finishing school.
1: Yeah. So I, I was in clinical for the last four months, January, February, March. Yeah. Past four and a half months. I took it like two weeks ago, day before. Like I remember I was like, click, 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 get, see if the results were coming up. And it just didn't until I got home and jumped in excitement, but yes, graduation this Thursday.
0: Yeah. That's awesome, man. I remember when I took my boards, I was, uh, I was playing uh, pickup basketball, waiting for the results because I was doing the same. Everyone did it. Like you're just checking, checking, checking. Did I pass? And then, like, I looked at my phone in between games, and I had like 30 texts, and they're like, "Oh, uh, like, you know, like this the score, like the score posted, scores posted," and just like, yeah, that was like a pretty like monumental uh, moment because it is the culmination of uh, a very long time of. Giving stuff, way, yeah. yeah, yeah. You probably don't want to do, and some stuff you do want to do. So that's mm-hmm. great, man. We also our our program, uh, they didn't let us. I don't if I remember correctly, they didn't let people take the boards until they they passed, like they finished clinicals and graduated.
1: Yeah, no, it's definitely out of the not the normal for us. I was lucky; it was me and one other, a couple other people in my program got to do that, but we had to go through like a whole extra step because in New York. The, the state won't let you. So I had to do it through another state. I think my buddy actually did Alaska just cause <laughs> why not? And you just, yeah, who cares? That. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, Jordan. So when we met, you were a PT student, we've established, you just uh, passed your boards. You're about to graduate um, as a physical therapist. You are, you are an athletic trainer, correct? Correct. Uh, what made you go to like PT school versus like fitness realm or like chiropractic or orthopedic medicine or something mm-hmm. else?
1: Yeah, so for me, I always growing up why I went athletic training originally, um, I always grew up in sports and that was like a huge like foundation for me in terms of like creating you know habits, lifestyle values and things like that. And I always wanted to work in athletics. And then I realized in terms of like you asked me about my, my life mission, I thought that the scope at the time for athletic training wasn't enough to work with a large population. Now that athletic training has grown, it definitely has. Like for example, you'll see athletic trainers with um, like uh, police officers, firefighters, circus LA, and really any depending on the state, any population. But at the time for me, I was like, okay, I should probably expand my scope and knowledge base, and that's kind of why I went to physical therapy so that I could not only treat typical like musculoskeletal, which is associated with like most athletic training populations that we treat, um, but for physical therapy, I could treat in a hospital, neuro patients and things like that. And just having that broad base really just expanded who I could work with in general, um, whether that be athletes or, you know, post stroke people, spinal cord and things like that. And that's why initially I was like, I want to help as many people as I can. So I need to expand my scope. And that's what's kind of led me towards physical therapy.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. And like with, a. I mean, I guess it depends on state, like with direct access, like where you practice as a PT, but I think that would be like the one major difference, right. Is I'm not, I'm not even sure if that's true, but like athletic trainers, right. Like you don't have the ability to like someone come in to see you right off. They need like a script from a medical professional. I would imagine that's like a pretty consistent difference. Yeah, for
1: sure. It's tough. It's a lot of it. You have to work under the, a physician. And so that has pros and cons for sure. Like technically yeah. you have your, you have a population-based purely based off that physician, but in terms of autonomy, that can be a little bit difficult depending on the sca- uh, state. And so that was another reason why I'm like, I, you know, I want to be able to practice on my own or have a little more autonomy. Um, but honestly, as athletic training is kind of growing, you're kind of seeing more of that, which is great. But at the yeah. time, like for me, I was like, okay, like maybe that's why I want to lean more towards becoming a physical therapist, but my roots are really like in athletic training.
0: Yeah. And when you look at like, uh, like from a actual, like how you practice standpoint, it's going to, it's going to be the same pretty much. Right. Like it's going to look very similar. Um, same with like chiropractors, right? Like, like you have, you know, uh, a lot of people in like uh, the business group that we're in, like they're, they, they, they're, they call themselves rehab chiropractors, but they're like, honestly, when you look at how they treat, you look at how like I treat, you look at how like an athletic trainer, like you might treat, right. It's going to all be very, very similar. Right. When you come down to like the actual, like tactical, um, like application of like the principles and all that kind of stuff.
1: Right. It's it's just a matter of like what constraints you have to deal with and which ones you really want to choose to deal with? Honestly.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly, man. It's like, what, uh, what problems do you want to have and what problems are you okay with? You know, it's like, yep. <laughs> that's it. Um, you had a lot of good, uh, clinical, um rotations uh that I'm assuming that you sought out yourself, right? Um can you talk about why you chose the ones you chose and how you went about that that process, you know, versus kind of just getting placed somewhere and, you know.
1: Yeah, for sure. So my first two um were in Long Island. Um those were um back when the pandemic was really kind of more in their prime. So things were kind of like sites were being canceled left and right. And so I didn't have too much um Influence over that. I just knew I kind of wanted to do my acute care, which I ended up being in my second rotation, which is great. My first one, I ended up like my first one got canceled and I had to get moved. So, like, there was just a lot of moving pieces, which was perfectly fine. But after that, I knew that I wanted in the end for me, I do want to work with athletes or healthy individuals, or maybe not necessarily healthy, but people that want to become healthy in whatever aspect that may be. Um, I knew that I wanted to put myself in one, a private setting or out. Um, out-of-network setting, and then a really good in-network insurance-based model. And those were the two I really wanted to dive or learn about. And through social media, honestly, is kind of how I found my last two rotations. So my third rotation, which was January and February, was with Resilient uh, Performance Physical Therapy, which is, they have multiple locations now. That's a private, out-of-network place, one-on-one for like the hour. And why... But through them, through like social media and whatnot, I knew, and through other mentors and colleagues of mine, I knew that they were, had a very renowned, they're very well-known in rehab. And a lot of it is return to play post-surgical. And I knew, especially that end stage was something for athletic training, we didn't get a ton of. And that's why I knew I wanted to be put in that setting. Plus specifically like the PTs there are just super knowledgeable and well-known. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to learn from the best And that was genuine February at Resilient. And then I went to rehab to perform, which is a, in Maryland. And then now they have one location in Virginia. That's an insurance based model where it's one-on-one for about 30 minutes. And then we kind of lead them with a circuit and through again, social media and other colleagues and friends that spoke really highly about them. Um, One, I took their blueprints course, which was phenomenal. And that hooked me like, okay, I want to be put in there. But then two, that's a little bit more of a general population where we'll work with like kids, but we'll work with people up to like, you know, geriatric population, but they all follow the same principles and foundation of like rehab and getting back to whatever their goals are. And that's all while you're under this insurance-based model. So it's a little bit tighter. The schedule is a little bit different, but I probably learned as much in terms of time management and uh, patient interaction from that versus like my other rotation with Arizona. They both had pros and cons and both I took away a ton of, but I knew through those, uh, through social media and others, that those were the two uh, places that probably would give me the biggest bang for my buck as a student, where I could experiment while learning at the same time in a safe and open environment, where I could really voice my opinion, I could try different things, and everyone around me was really supportive and always like chimed in in the sense of like this is what I would do versus like what you did here. So in the end, really just like social media, which I know people are really afraid of sometimes, but that's how I found out about these places. And I'm extremely grateful for it.
0: Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. The, um, the blueprints course is really, really good. I took it. Um, when did I take that? I'm going to say like, it was like February, 2021, I believe. Um, or maybe 2022. I don't remember. Uh, it was one of those. Um, but in New York. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, as a course, I'm like, wow, like this would have been like, like I, I took a lot out of it, and I'm like, if I had this, like, when I was in school or out, of, right out of school, like, it would have been perfect. Um, and especially like to have the influence on, um, uh, the critical like thinking aspect of it, right? So it's like, here's like, okay, here's like how we go through like like locomotor stuff and blah blah blah. blah. But like, here are the cases or here are scenarios. Like, what do you guys think? And like, you're in like your little group setting. So I thought it was just a like very well done, um, very well done course, um, for sure. Absolutely. Um, yeah.
1: I, that was the first course where when I started getting more into, like, expansion, compression, and more into that realm, I was, and this was during the pandemic when, like, we were staying at home, so, like, I was getting into that, and it was very confusing, and I couldn't explain it to anybody, really. I had no <laughs> idea how to. Um, like, they would add, my classmate would ask me, and I'm like, it just does. <laughs> Which is, I, but the blueprints course um, allowed me to use another language. and be like, oh, like, you remember when I was talking about, like, heel contact and you know or like yeah. push shoulder forward like that's the reason why when you're doing like an arm bar or like the side plank like that's the reason they don't have it but i could explain it now after the blueprint's person. that was the first time that i think i could connect a lot of dots for like whoever i was talking to whether it be like a patient or other uh, healthcare professionals
0: yeah that's awesome and like a lot of people always ask me stuff like um they're like will be like, should I take like PRI courses? You know, should I learn from like Bill Hartman? And I'm like, yes, you should a hundred percent, but you also need foundational understanding of just like exercise science, right. And physiology and like all of these things, because when you have that as your framework, right. Like the hard sciences, everything that they say and do will help provide, like makes a ton of sense. Right. Like mm-hmm. Bill is like straight up first principles. Right. So like you can't really like, I I think it's very hard to like refute a lot of the things he says, because they just make so much sense. I'm very biased in this opinion, of course. Um, but when you relate it to like physics, biomechanics, right, what you're doing from an exercise standpoint, I'm like, it just like it just makes sense. Like, I don't know how else to say it. Right. Like it just right, makes yeah. sense. And like, you can relate it to like, um, you know, like any kind of movement or any kind of behavior thing that you're kind of seeing, same with, with PRI, you know, like all those types of things. So um, I think their course does like such a good job of just kind of like tying together, like a lot of different things and, and giving you a good foundation as a, as a, as a practitioner. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and you also, can you talk about some of um cause I think it's great. You got experience in both of those settings uh, as a student. Um, can you talk to some of the like pros and cons of like the out of network self-pay versus like in-network model? Because I think that that's a very, very useful conversation for people. And a lot of people don't have, um, context to speak from, from both.
1: Right. Absolutely. Um, so I'll start with the in-network insurance-based model. So, um, so typically the, the co-pay is going to be around, you know, 20 to, it can, it could be up to like 60 or $70, really it, It really depends um, on the coverage. I think with the insurance-based model, you have more constraints in the sense that these are people who tend to, I don't want to say they don't necessarily prioritize their health. It's just that their priorities in their life are going to be higher than whatever they're coming to you for. So for example, a lot of these are like adults, parents with jobs and families, and they're not all necessarily Um, they don't always have like an hour to give you, right? They're, They're local. They're just from the area. They're squeezing in 30 minutes in between, picking up the kids and whatnot. And they're doing the best that they can. And so in that model, you're just dealing with a lot more constraints, which for me as a student is great because I need to be on my toes. I need to adjust the in session of what I see versus the home exercise program. And from that, I need to prioritize what can I squeeze in that 30 minutes that's gonna give me the biggest bang for my buck. So it's for example, like manual therapy, if I could do a lot of joint mobs, self tissue, what have you, I've realized when you're talking with a patient, 15 minutes will pass and you're just, you know, it's they, they want to do both hips, right? You do 15 minutes, you're done with the hip. You look at the clock and you're like, oh my gosh, I have to do, I have time for like one or two exercises now. And that's it. And so that forced me as a student, like, okay, like is manual therapy really going to be the best thing for them in this time period that I have? So I had to learn to be quick on my feet and prioritize prioritize for the day and then prioritize what could they do at home. Tough thing about that is I can't give them the the cues, the foot cues, the quote-unquote like alignment that I'm really looking for if I want to get really specific. it's a But in, what's beneficial about that also, it's really two coins is they're gonna learn, like self-learn a lot of things and self-organize, mm-hmm. which is great. And it, it'll build a lot of resilience and independence, assuming like they follow it and things kind of go well. So two sides to that coin. The outer network, private, like one-on-one for an hour, um, for them, it, they're coming solely for that hour and they want good and bad thing, I guess. I don't want to say bad thing, but they you better, they're paying a lot of money for that hour. If they don't feel better by the time they leave, <laughs> they're probably not coming back at all. Like, yeah. And it, it might be like a post-op situation where like th- this is a m- multiple months or even like a tendonopathy where, you know, we know like it takes at least six weeks to at least probably to see some sort of tendon change. And if they're paying a lot of money in that session, they, you probably need to either have a really good education platform, or you got to make some change right then and there. So that's a little bit tough. However, because you have an hour, you have the time available to you to, you can do a lot of manual, you can do a lot of education and you can still send them home with an exercise program um, that even if they don't feel much better afterwards, you can probably tell them in a week, you're probably gonna feel a little bit better. Like this is the plan. You have that time space um, or that space available to you, right? Um, and also, like I said before with the insurance or time constraint for the um, insurance model, when you have an hour, you can give them the really specific cues that might be the game changer for them, depending on what it is. So like feel the inside of your heel, like, Hey, try not to let your, um, the whole body orient or turn, like try and get some like more relative motion, whatever you want to describe it, which is honestly, if you really are good at it, like that one exercise could be the thing they need. And then they might not come back to you because they're like, Oh my gosh, I feel a hundred times better if you're that really that good. And so that's a a big benefit of there, I thought. Um, And then you can apply that for any different, you know, exercise prescription, whether it be like strength and conditioning. So like relative motion, manual therapy, plyometrics, you can be like, hey, I need you to be quicker off the ground or push through the ground. Those are cues and things you can heavily focus on when you have an hour versus the other um, insurance model, you might not have that. So um, those are probably some of the biggest things. I know I kind of rambled off a lot of...
0: No, no, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. And the reason I ask is because I, I, I think that it is a way more nuanced conversation than when you're on social media, right? And it's like... Oh, cash PC is better. Cause like, I can spend an hour with you. It's like, no, that doesn't mean that it's, it's better. It doesn't mean that you're better. Right. It just means that you're spending an hour with the person, right? Like, yeah. right. Your payer source is what's, what's changing. There's pros and cons to, to everything, of course. And like, yeah. for me, I look at it from two perspectives, one, like clinician to I'm a business owner. Right. So it's like you, in network facilities have to operate uh, with a certain volume of patients. Otherwise, they are going to be closing their doors. There's just no way to to pay a PT salary, front desk salary, aid salary, all those types of things, right? Just with what they get reimbursed. So they have to operate within a certain constraint, right? So volume is how they can make up for that. And some places do it better than others. Like when I was a student, I worked at a place where, uh, dude, no joke, four to six patients in an hour, they were very loose with the scheduling. So people would come late and you're like... Also, I hadn't taken like musculoskeletal PT, and I'm evaluating ACLs like right like day one. I'm like, what am I doing here? Uh Um, Right, so like that that's part of my exposure. But like you know, in when you're out of network or like self self pay, like AMP is right, like we are, right? Like there's just some people literally, you're going to price some people out. And then as me as the business owner, right, I had to make the decision, like, we have a business that can support it. So we'll do a lot of pro bono, you know, cases and like that kind of stuff, or like work with people who have like, you know, state insurance, like that, you know, they're going to be committed and like all that kind of stuff. But you get very different. You have all these different considerations that you have to kind of, you know, take into a, to account. It's not just like one's good, one's bad. It's like, what are you okay with as a business owner? What are you okay with as the clinician, right? If you're a clinician in a network facility, um, or out of network and like, you want to make more money, like there's only really a few ways you can make more money. Right. And <laughs> it's like, that just is what it is. So it's like, yeah. again, what problem is like the problem that you're going to you
1: have? Exactly. The problem
0: you're down with, man. That's, that's, <laughs> that's kind of it. It's like, oh, you guys get such good outcomes. Like, it's like, yeah, we get good outcomes. I like, guess we know what we're doing, but also like, we have time, time is in our on our side, right? So when a person signs up to work with us, we don't even do session to session. If you're gonna sign up to work with us, it goes evaluation, and then here's the plan. Like you're paying for that plan. Like if you don't want to, it's like, well, then we can't deliver on our promise, right? Our promise yeah. is a long-term result, right? So it's like um we have that benefit to in our favor. So yes, someone has had pain for a while, they're gonna come to us, we're probably gonna be able to help them. It's because that's built into the the plan, right? Versus yeah. like coming here for a quick fix we're probably not the person for you like go down to this place down the street you know
1: which is like there's nothing wrong with that like some people yeah. all they need is like some people are just like two weeks and they're now and that's okay like mm-hmm. we can't, that's something i learned i'm like i'm like oh man this is gonna take six weeks like you gotta come twice a week boom 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 we're gonna do this da, da, da. i write it out after two weeks they're like i'm feeling pretty good i'm like okay so like we'll do and they're like i got you know got my kids got my got work i gotta do yeah. this i think i'm good enough so just give me a home exercise program and I'll see you if I need more issues. I'm like, uh, okay, sure. It's nice knowing you. So it's, it's, uh, yeah, exactly. You said it very well.
0: Yeah. And there's skills, right. Too, you even touched on this, right. In network where you're a time constraint and you have like person after person, after person, after person, right. It's like, you have to get good at time management, prioritizing. Right. And that's, that's hard to do. Right. Managing right. Right. When do you write your notes? Right. Like all that kind of stuff. Right. For real it's like that that's that's a skill and then mm-hmm. as a um you know for us like from like the self pay perspective where we know that most people aren't used to paying what they're going to pay to work with us for medical services in general, let alone physical therapy. It's like, we have to be very good at communication, right. And, um, getting like deep with people in like a discovery call, right. Or discovery session or like an intake phone call or whatever you want to call it. Um, so like from our communication skill standpoint, not saying you can't develop that in an in-network facility, but it's just, it's way different. Um, just different skills. You know, you're going to, going to learn and you're going to kind of need, um, as you're kind of, man, wild. I could talk about this topic forever. When you go on, when you go on and social so media, it's know. like people get like, butthurt one way or the other. And I'm like, no, it doesn't have to be that way. Like, you know, I was like, it just is, it just is what it is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like I could have an amp could be in network and it was just, I would just have different problems that I would face. That would be the, the scenario. Right. It's yeah. just like, what do you want as the practitioner and the, the business owner? Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, you're going to get me going here, man. <laughs> or maybe I morning. got, I got you going and then now it's going. <laughs> um so jordan uh the reason that you and i met is because we're in like uh we're kind of like in a similar similar circles uh and i know that you are someone who values continuing education and you spend uh time outside of school right you were in amps mentorship program as a student you were you're on bill hartman's calls i see you on those those are very early in the morning on thursdays uh, where where does that come from that drive um and like why um, well, yeah, we'll start there. I don't want to give you too many questions. Where does that drive to like, kind of learn a lot come from? Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for not giving me too many questions. Or
1: else <laughs> where we'll end up. Um, I mean, my work ethic in general came from my wrestling background growing up. Um, just in general, my work ethic, I just know I can handle a little bit more, or in my opinion, I feel like I can do a little bit more, um, in terms of like handling stress, whatever those may be. Um, But specifically in terms of learning more, I knew that I, there are like hundreds, thousands of healthcare professionals and we'll say physical, athletic trainers or physical therapists, like every single year, hundreds of people graduate just from your class alone. And for treating the world as a better place, like we want as many healthcare professionals out there as possible, but from a personal individual standpoint, I want to be, the best because one, I want to treat more people, but two, from a business standpoint, like it it is a competition in that standpoint, like always, I would refer to others if there was something I felt they were better at, or I need help with, but I want to be the best because I wanted to show people like, come to me. Like I want to, I, not that I necessarily can always fix their problems, but I want to be the person, um, the go-to person that can help them. And so for me, I knew that the school that I was getting was, really the same education as every other program. Like you take musculoskeletal one, two, three, take neural one, two, and, and depending on the professor, they're gonna be great, but we all take the same school. And I knew that if I wanted to be, especially right out of the gate, a step above my quote, unquote, like competition, I needed to um, you know, outsource or find other ways to do that. And thankfully, like my other mentors before me, they kind of took that same route and I was like if I want to be like anything like them even closer remotely I have to do this now and I made that decision and for me like it's fun like I I I find it uh very enjoyable and luckily with athletic training it gave me a really strong musculoskeletal foundation so during PT school I was able to my bandwidth was a little bit wider because where I could prioritize learning other things because I kind of had a background in some of the other stuff so I did have that advantage thankfully um but I, that's probably why I did all that other continuing because I just knew I wanted to step up on others, to be honest.
0: Yeah, no, that's awesome, man. Um, yeah, it, there's like, uh, we're seeing it in physical therapy big time is like, there's a hundred percent, a supply demand issue and it's going to keep getting worse. Like our school, when, when Monica and I graduated, I think it was like 50 ish people in our graduating class. I think they're in the nineties right now in the same program. Like they have like, they've revamped it. It's like you know, it just is what it is, right? Yeah. Um, so, another, yeah,
1: there's, there's oh, years, yeah, it's great. Like, we want more healthcare professionals out there, but like, I do need to prioritize myself as in, like a, like, I, I want a certain style of living and I do want to yeah. have patients coming in and out. And so I need to be, I have to be different somehow, really. Yeah. In my mindset. Not everyone feels that way. Like, that's perfectly fine. But for me, like, where I want to be in my life, like, that's what I strive for. And that's what I know I need to uh, do to get there.
0: Yeah, no, that's awesome, man. I've noticed with, like, people who play um, play sports that they have, like, they tend to have, like, a, like this kind of, like, work ethic, like, leadership skills, like, all that kind of stuff. Um, actually, the two people that Monica and I just hired, uh, two people, and they're the same. It's, like, they're just, like, I was, like, you know, I got some, like, award as, like, MVP in, like, track and field and like, high school and college. I'm doing track and field, like, all this stuff. I'm like, wow, we, this is just like, you can see like those kind of traits, you know, not saying that everyone who plays sports, but like, it is definitely a common theme that I have seen, you know, as you know, I've been working with a lot of different people in that kind of capacity. Um, So that's, that's, that's cool to see. Um, And I agree with that, putting yourself in the best, the best position, right. It's like learning from a lot of different resources is only going to make you better. Uh, I mean, it could confuse you, but if you have like a solid foundation, right. Like it's going to make you better. And ultimately that's going to be like, uh, that one person who like, maybe you weren't able to help. You're going to come to a stopping point there. And like, what do I do? Right. It's like, you're going to have to learn how to help that person. Right. So then it's going to guide your continuing education. So, um, yeah, it's all very, very relatable to stuff that you're, you're kind of saying, um, Jordan with, um, uh, AMS mentorship program as a student, cause we've only had, I'm going to say you're one of maybe like five students we've had in the program out of like 150 something people. Um, how, how was it helpful for you as a student? So I think
1: from, there's two like ways I think I kind of can go about it. For me, there's like the clinical side and like through like the, what we're learning in class, like textbook per se. Um, so from the clinical side, for me, the mentorship provided me a framework of where I want to go with a patient, so I understood like for a patient's goals, um, and from like an exercise physiology standpoint of like, okay, if we want to, if they want to be able to negotiate stairs, if they want to be able to run, like I had known about um, like return to play testing in terms of that framework, in terms of like they need to do X amount of hops or you know this uh, set scheme for strength training, et cetera. But in terms of being even more specific to maybe more of those chronic conditions or um, in those situations where, you know, one exercise isn't gonna fit or they're not gonna be able to accomplish that one exercise, right? Yeah. Um, and there are gonna be slight tweaks that you can do that I didn't realize that you can do to get that. So like, for example, like a squat, like I pro- most of my athletes are probably want squatting in some variation. In my mind, I always thought like back squat, no problem, they can do that. A lot of times, I don't want to say it looks bad, but like if they have pain or there's some symptom that's popping up that's blocking me from accomplishing whatever the task may be, whether it be increased strength or speed or whatever, something's blocking it. And your mentorship or the AMP mentorship really allowed me multiple regressions, progressions, and modifications to accomplish whatever I want to accomplish, whether it be relative motion, whether it be strength, whatever the case may be. The mentorship allowed me to really go whatever avenue I wanted to, um, and uh, and uh, rationale for it, not just like okay, it, it I did this and it feels better, that works. But like for me, I would like to go. <laughs> I don't want to go with the shotgun or spaghetti method. See what sticks. I yeah. want to create enough patterns where I'm like, okay, this is the reason why this happened, and having an explanation is great because I can reapply it, but I can also explain it to my patient, which creates buy-in, and they're like, oh, okay. That means when I also do split squats, I should probably do this, right? And then that makes them more independent, et cetera. And it just helps the whole process. In terms of school, I think the mentorship helped connect a lot of dots and helped create a way for me to communicate with other healthcare professionals. So, in my mind, when we talk about like expansion and compression, like that doesn't really mean anything to anyone, period. But your mentorship, like using terms of like concentric versus eccentric, muscle orientation bony landmarks like coming together where they are you using like those models it helped me connect like oh in class when we talk about like our plyometrics or in our advanced therics, we're talking about like shoulder raises whatever it may be i would try to explain it in one way doesn't work but this mentorship allowed me like oh let me explain it that way i think if i explain it the way you talked about I think other people can understand, which just on a personal standpoint, I used to make class much more fun and we could dive into things a little bit deeper. And then plus, like, if I can't explain it to my classmates, <laughs>
0: there's
1: no way I can either explain it to a patient or another healthcare professional. Cause in school, you're in that middle point of like, you know, know, some things, but like, you know, more than the average person. So that the mentorship really connected a lot of the dots and allowed me to do that, which was, I mean, probably the, probably the best thing out of anything. Cause like you said, communication is like, if not the number one thing, is probably the one of the most important things you're going to be able to do as a healthcare professional in general.
0: It's up there, man. <laughs> no, that's great to hear. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, yeah. It's just, uh, yeah. Being able to like, kind of get your, your, there's like, different levels of learning, right? Like learning didactic, right? Like you read something or watch a video, like whatever, blah, 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 blah. But then like being able to explain it to a peer, right okay you can use jargon and that kind of stuff but then it's like you need to explain this to your mom right you need to explain it to like patient off the street who doesn't even like he's like pointing to his hamstring but he's actually or he's talking about his hamstring yeah. string, but he's pointing to his quad you know you're like okay here we go you yeah. know like that kind of that kind of thing right so if you can like understand it at that level right then you're like you're good man you understand the underlying principles and all that kind of stuff um i think the other thing too like the touched on was uh like there's a lot of like being able to identify the low hanging fruit at a point in time is like very, very important, right? So it's like someone comes in and you're like, man, this person has no hip internal rotation on their, their right hip. No wonder they have pain when they squat. So you yeah. do stuff and you get the hip range of motion back. Okay, that, that makes a lot of sense. But at some point, right, you're like, oh, they just keep losing their hip range of motion. It's like, well, the, the motion's is not the problem at this point. We know they can get it back. It's like their capacity or strength to do that thing is the problem. So we gotta like build the capacity. And then like now this internal rotation measure is more meaningful, you know. So being able to kind of like identify that as like, you know, the trajectory of like a person's care kind of changes you know, as you know you're moving along, also a useful, useful skill set. Um, and I know with school too, it's hard because they they have to teach it like here's your neuro PT, here's pediatrics, here's musculoskeletal, right? And it's like in reality, these things all are happening right they yeah. happen at the same time it's like what are we what are we amplifying what are we dampening right is really what it comes down to and like getting that as a student or even like a new grad is so tough um so i'm glad that that was helpful too
1: yeah no i'll never forget it My we were going over in peds, um like dns like um children like they're moving and things like that and i'm like oh wow like i've heard about this like very cool awesome and we we were in a practical or practicing in neuro and someone did it And I was like, Oh, that's so smart. Like why? Like it's the same exact thing. And our neuro professor was like, we're treating adults, not kids. And I remember thinking, we're just, people are people. If the foundations are true and and your foundation are strong and, and they're true principles, they should apply to multiple populations. Like the second you start changing it is where like things get gray and like more confusing. Yeah. And, I'll, I'll never forget that moment. Cause I was like, dang, like that's a tough thing about PT school versus yeah. like, I
0: don't
1: want to say the real world, but like when you go out into clinical and working with people, like you want to be able to apply multiple things. And I think PT school does um, their job and giving you the principles, but they're so specific principles that they're hard to carry over unless yeah. you are able to learn from others and you're like, Oh, that makes sense to there. And yeah. And you can make a lot of dots.
0: Yeah. hundred percent. It's um, like DNS. You just said DNS, PRI, they get like a lot of crap from certain silos in like the PT world. And it's cool. You know, like whatever, you know, everyone do you, but um one, when, when you understand, like, like, this is why, like, again, I'm going to give Bill Hartman a ton of credit. Like when you start thinking about it from like the propulsion, like early propulsion, mid propulsion, max late propulsion, like it's the same no matter what. So when you see these like the argument that like babies babies you can't squat like a baby it's like the goal is not to squat like a baby the goal is like what does it mean like to be able to descend into these positions from like the propulsive phases can they access these different ranges so when you start seeing like uh, i forget all the positions like the prone like four and a half month and all that kind of stuff you're in early and late right so it's like you can kind of understand why this might be useful for that person you're just taking gravity out of the situation and you're putting them in a position to be successful. You're like, okay, so this is progressable now. Like at this point, right? So that's kind of how I think about things. Um, yeah, yeah. It's it's very very similar. Like when like in PT school for for me, like thinking back a little bit is like with cardio palm. It's like you know you think about like you learn about like COPD and emphysema, right? So now I'm like, okay, like this is actually an extreme representation because there's pathology here of the same stuff we talk about, the stuff I care about. This is a rib cage that can't expand in certain areas, right? So now you're seeing what the extreme looks like. So it's still applicable. It's still saying the same thing. You just have uh, like a representation where you're like seeing everything, you know, versus like you and me, it's like, okay, these things are happening, but they're on a small scale, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so so interesting man. Another topic I could go off I know, on. I I was saying we this, could go on about this that this program. and in and, and out of network inverse out of network insurance man. They're my my two favorite uh, <laughs> two favorite things. Um, so what what are you doing now that you have or well you will be graduating in a couple of days?
1: Um yeah, so taking a few weeks off. Uh, thankfully. But um, on June 5th, I'm going to be starting a seasonal internship. So I'm going to be a seasonal intern with the Cleveland Browns as a uh, athletic trainer and a physical therapist. And that'll be for the entire season. So um, hopefully we go pretty far this year. So, but it'll depend. Um, It's going to be for the whole season.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. So do you you travel with the team and everything?
1: Yeah. So it depends. Um, In season, we'll see how it plays out, but depending on how many injured people we have, Um, we have one full-time physical therapist on staff. So depending on how many are hurt, we might rotate on who stays home, um, to treat those patients. It'll really really vary. But, uh, for the most part, I'm going to be with the team all the time.
0: Oh, that's cool, man. Do you have experience like in that, uh, maybe not pro sports, but like team settings like that? Yeah, yeah. So
1: uh, for athletic, well, one for athletic training and undergrad, like you get assigned a clinical. So for the difference between why I might be able to handle like a lot, um, I remember in undergrad, we had to do clinical too, but it was during school. Um, so you were with the team basically whenever you didn't have class. So you were working, you know, 30, 40 hours for clinical and then you went to class at the same time. Um, So that probably plays a big part. Yeah, no, it's- it's, They're they're, they're
0: prepping you for the athletic training or lifestyle, man. (laughs) Right, exactly. It's good and
1: bad, right? Um, But uh, so you're assigned a team. So I was with like club sports my first year. I was with the high school and then I was with men's hockey my senior year. So you're assigned with a team and you're living that lifestyle basically. Just your only like other priority is like school. So you can't travel all the time. Um, But I was lucky enough for me, the summer of 2017, I did a summer internship with the New England Patriots as an athletic training student. And so that was my first like experience in professional sports where it was only preseason. So I think it was like mid July is like the first week of September. And that was a phenomenal, that, that gave me, um, I give a lot of credit to that internship because that was the first time I've seen all the fancy gizmos and gadgets, but also they allowed me to like do a ton of the manual skills before graduation. So like I was able to do like, you know, your joint moves, your soft tissue and things like that. And, you know, it's like tiring and not always, you kind of are doing symptom management. But for me as a student, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm getting all these reps with some of the best athletes around. And from a physical standpoint, like these are literally the, some of the biggest guys and like, they just made me stronger. And my manual skills at least, are I'm a little bit more comfortable with it, just purely based off of that clinical, um, that internship for sure.
0: Yeah. That's awesome, man. Um I, I got a question about symptom management and manual therapy for you. Oh um, gosh. no, because you have you have experience that I, I think is relevant here. Um so what how do I phrase this question? Is is symptom in that setting, is symptom management a bad thing? Like is it a negative?
1: No, oh gosh, no. Well, okay, so because
0: the reason I ask is because manual therapy gets like it gets shit on, man, and it gets a very bad bad rep. Yeah. And no one really talks about when is it actually useful right when is it not useful when are you overutilizing it versus when are you using the right amount what is the right time to like tape a person versus not tape a person right and I think speaking of extremes professional athlete is an extreme situation
1: right um I I was just talking about Anthony Ainaro actually like I literally just texted him like a few days ago about this because I was listening to podcasts um with him and Mike Robertson um so on where I was as an intern a lot of it was more of what the, you know, athlete asks, you you kind of do, right? Um, now, for them, they need to feel the best they can feel at all times, we'll say, right? And mm-hmm. they have a lot of constraints as well at being an athlete, under contract, timelines, and things of that nature. So it, for me as an intern, to I don't have the experience or the power to say like, hey, I really think that you should – you know, may, like patellar tendonitis, like I don't know if like me rubbing your patellar tendon is really going to solve the issue, <laughs> right? I mean, it might, who knows? But like in my position, I, I don't have any power or say really to influence that, nor should I, because I, I didn't even have a degree. I was an intern at the time. Um, but it, it's also, when I was talking about the constraints, is that time period, when we talk about like tendons, in season, it's so so hard to make changes it's like purely symptom management there's no i shouldn't say there's no way when they have to play every sunday it's hard it's really difficult and so my job is like absolutely like why would i not want to try to make them feel a little bit better per se um now when it comes to you know if you want to do other manual therapy that they're not asking for this is what i was talking about with anthony um you can't get to that point until they trust you there's no way if I, someone asked me about their knee pain and say, Hey, can you massage my patellar tendon and my quad tendon? And I met them for the first time. I was like, no, no, no. I'm going to, I'm going to put you on your side and roll and massage your hip. Actually, no, way <laughs> is that guy come coming, coming back to you or anybody. Like, it's like the most ridiculous thing ever. So, um, what I learned is more the, the manual therapy is literally the quickest way to build rapport with your patient. Cause they have nowhere to go. You're there. You cannot talk for 10 minutes. Big sure. <laughs> and super awkward, but that's the quickest way to build trust and allow them to like, I said, like trust you, whether you're actually fixing it. That's half the process. Once you can mm-hmm. get their buy-in as just like someone they trust and they're like, okay, what, what do you think I need? Once we reach that point, that's like, that's the entry point i guess and that's when i can say hey like i think maybe like can we try something and you just do something really quickly i think that's why manual therapy kind of gets like a bad rap because even yeah i agree like it's not doing a lot of the things that you might hear say like breaking up tissue and things like that but that's not why i'm doing it i'm doing it because patient buy-in it's 10 minutes out of my day um i know it's not giving me the biggest bang for my buck but in the long term there's going to be a future opportunity that I can use, which will probably be even more game changing. But until then, like like anything, you got to build trust. And at the professional level, they're there for one thing, and they just need to feel good. And so I'm going to provide that as best as I can in that moment.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't know, if I, don't know if I
1: answered your question fully. No, no, that's good. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's part. That's part of it for sure. Is like is especially in that setting, you're operating right. You're operating within like the, the constraint of professional sports. So it's like, how long are they with you? Like they're, you know, like in the training room, out of the training room, like all that types of stuff you have uh, coaches you have to answer to, right. There's like, you know, positional coaches, right. Weight room coach, strength coaches, all that kind of stuff. Um, so sometimes like getting a quick, quick change in how they feel and getting buy-in is, is, is going to be useful a hundred percent. And like the way I always think about it is like, you know, you can, you can, create, uh, use manual therapy without creating right dependence on physical therapy. It's just all in how you explain it to a person and communicate it to a person. Right. Um, and you can change someone's maladaptive beliefs around it or their current beliefs around like, Oh, I need to like break up the adhesions in my thigh. You know, like this is okay. Here's an opportunity for me to educate you. Right. Or, Hey, you've been getting, this happens to us all the time. Like, Oh, I went to PT and like, um, they've been doing like this, like massage to my hip, you know, cause I have, it pinches when I squat. And it's like, well, how many, you know, like professionally I would say it, but like, okay, how many massages to your hip do you think it's going to take to make your hip feel better? And they're like, oh, I never really thought about it that way. Cause I've been going for six months. It's like, yeah, well, you know, maybe we gotta do other stuff. Right. Cause now it's a way I can introduce like a new, like something new to them because like I've opened them up to the idea that, Hey, maybe this ex- specific thing is not like exactly what you need. Um, right. we also talk about it as like, sometimes it, it creates a, a quick window where we can like um, you put a person, uh, someone comes in, right? They have limited shoulder shoulder rotation and it's relevant to their, their end goal. Uh, we do an exercise and I'm like, this is the perfect exercise to, based on our assessment, to get them what they want, but the change doesn't happen, right? Assuming I coached it in a way they understood and like we did everything right. It's like, well, what do I do now? like just keep doing the same thing that didn't work. It's like, no, I'm going to do something really quick Mm -hmm. at the shoulder or wherever and like get a change. Okay, cool. Their shoulder motion feels better now. Um, Now go back to the exercise and now we can actually load the tissue and like do what we want. And now we're, we're good to go. You know? So it's just like the black and white, again, dichotomous thinking I just think is like, does it a disservice, you know? And it's just like, there are times when it is good times when it is not good. I'd rather know those than like, you know, pick a, pick a side.
1: Right. No, absolutely. And going off of what you said, like, and when they're doing it over and over at the professional level, if they're at the, they're, they're professional for a reason. They've been doing something <laughs> right. And if, if, if they're like, Oh, I get my knee rubbed right before the game every time. And and even if it doesn't hurt, like it's like, <laughs> so oh, tell them
0: you're not doing it. Yeah. Oh, good luck.
1: <laughs> exactly. And like, who am I to like put my own bias and say like, Oh no, this is actually going to like make you faster or whatever. And God forbid, like they actually perform worse. It's like, now I'm now I'm in trouble, right? Yeah. They're gonna come back and say you did something different. Like I played worse. Like so, not attaching my own bias and belief into the manual therapy. If they ask for it and that's how they perform, there's a reason they're there for that. I'm not gonna try and change it because I really I don't know what's gonna happen because we just don't know all the information. And just not attaching your personal belief or bias to that is like that's okay. Like let the app. Some people do know their bodies to an extent and let them do what they're good at. And I will be there just to like help the process along. I'm not going to try and change anything. If, If it's not broken, don't try and fix it.
0: Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a great point. And also even to that, it's like people would make the argument, like, we don't know the mechanism, right? Maybe, that manual therapy to the knee is doing something and it's not just placebo, right? Like it's not just this person thinks like, I need this to happen. Otherwise I can't perform. Maybe you're actually creating a little joint motion for them. Right. So that their knee can like internally rotate when they go into a cut a little bit better. That could be a very plausible thing. We just can never measure that. And we just don't know. Right. So it's like, there's always that kind of, you know, thinking it's like, uh, we just talked about this in the mentorship program. It's like um, when people go in like, uh, they learn like, I don't know, they learn about breathing stuff and they start putting people in like a 90-90 breathing drill, right? 90-90 hip lift. Yeah. And they're like, okay, this helps everybody because I do it with like 10 people and like a couple of them get better. And they ignore all the people that it didn't help. And they're just focused on the people that they got better. It's like, well, if you could figure out why it didn't help these people, now you're answering some really useful questions, right? And mm-hmm. then you're going to be able to, you know, next time, maybe instead of helping five, you're helping eight, right? So it's like, you know, it's going to be helpful for, uh, guiding your, uh, decision-making and your education and all that kind of stuff versus like taking a hard stance. Like I'm just going to do ninety ninety with everyone. Cause it helped these individuals, you know, or whatever, you know, similar example. Mm-hmm. Um, Jordan, last question for you, what are your, your big picture, um, goals like career wise?
1: Yeah. So I, man, people ask me like for clinical, like I just finished, they're like, Oh, where are you off to next? Where are you off to next? And I'm like, Oh, I'm going to Cleveland and yada, yada. And they're like, okay, what a- after that? I'm like, that's a great question. I, yeah. cause I was, I, I was in Connecticut for undergrad, I went to Florida state. I was in Florida for a couple of years. I was in Long Island. Then I went to Maryland. Now I'm going to Cleveland. And so in terms of where I'll be not a hundred percent sure in terms of geographically. Um, but for me as a healthcare provider, as a, physical therapist, athletic trainer, whatever it may be. Um, I do see myself one day doing some sort of mentoring, education type of thing. I do love that. I love talking about this stuff, whatever respect that may be. Um, and I would like to, I think in the future, I why I'm taking this internship is because I do want to create an avenue of being in professional sports for one day. I think that um, it's just like the cream of the crop. There's a lot of constraints. And I think That is just one of the coolest opportunities. And I would like to work in that setting for um, a little bit, for sure. And then after that, I think I would love to, as of right now, work in a private or um, one-on-one type of -of out-of-network setting. Primarily, maybe athletes, I would prefer, but I really any healthcare or any person that wants to be healthy, um, I want to help them. And I always joke about my retirement is to open up a cafe um, one day.
0: Yeah. I remember we talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. We have, we have a similar goal. It'd be just like super chill, man. Like just, you know,
1: <laughs> Oh my cafe by day.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, PT like and training yeah. at like afternoon and night like that, it, that would be like my quote unquote retirement. If I could just yeah. do that all day, every day, I would hundred percent. Absolutely. No problem.
0: Yeah, you got to come up by me man. We got this. we got Sweet Vinyl in Denville. It's like a record shop like ca- cafe. It's like the it's a spot man. Oh, I'll have to. So it's hard to find those good cafe vibe vibes up by oh. me these days. They, the the one the one good place we had, they um like they they merged with like a bagel shop, but now it just feels like a bagel shop, you know? I'm like, "Come on, what are we doing here?" Not the vibe. You know? uh, you'll hear it
1: first. Uh, JTB, which is my initials, just the vibes. If it just opens the, day, just the vibes. <laughs> my initials, it works out. Maybe you'll find it one day. Hopefully sooner rather than later. We'll see. Awesome, man. Uh
0: Jordan, anything uh we didn't talk about that you want to uh leave the audience with? That's <laughs> um, a I, I lied. I said I had one more question, but that was really this is really the last question. Yeah. um,
1: I mean, for I think as a student, um, just don't get so tunnel visioned. Um and school is really stressful for sure. And like, you got to pass, but like you just need to pass as a student. Um, if you can keep your, if you're going if you have the work ethic and you want to learn more, you'll prioritize it and you'll put in the extra time and effort. And, um, the biggest thing is being able to prioritize what you're willing to, again, like what problems you want to have. Do you want the problems of like a lower grade or you want the problem of like trying to learn something new while in school, which is for different people are going to be good and or bad. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think that's it for like really just like other students is like, you know, school is hard and like you'll get through it and like keep pushing and just again, what problems you want to have. Um, other than that, it's really it's, I don't have any many wise words at my.
0: That's great. The tunnel like 20, vision one is years old. <laughs> Twenty tunnel vision one is great. It's like stay stay curious, right? Um, anytime you get like like. Uh, like but hurt by something someone says it's like take a second and just like why why do I have that emotion like because they're probably challenging you and it's like understand the other perspective right if you believe something strongly like well what is the complete opposite of that because if you start thinking like that like we're all gonna have biases but you can at least stay open-minded because when you're open-minded right your potential to take on new things and learn new things that are going to be helpful and help you be better at what you do in life and like working with people is is a huge is a huge skill set
1: absolutely and it's honestly it's I think it's a reflection of your character. Like if yeah. you, it, it, I don't want to say it's just work and it's just rehab, but if you can't take criticism or feedback from work, that does tell me a lot, I think as a person as well. Um, and yeah. I don't want to draw exact parallels and I don't love the idea of like separating two of wearing like two masks. So that's why I'm like, okay, if you are like this at work, what do you like at home? Really? And, yeah. and in my opinion I think that if you are open-minded and whatnot that's how you'll be at home and that in general just makes better people and that's how we'll tie to the very first question this world becomes a better
0: place that's it man <laughs> uh, this is the saying is uh, people separate personal and professional development but in reality the way I see it is your personal development is what is gonna be the foundation for your your professional development like they don't happen separately right? It's just what you said, man. I would say those are pretty wise words, man. <laughs> Nailed it. Thanks. Yeah. Jordan, thanks, man.
1: Thank you.